0: Seriously, this is God's Word.
1: Mm.
0: Luke 15, through 32 can be found on page 964 of the Bible's next year seats as well as on the screen. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. Okay. Thank
1: you. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are hungry. Our souls' hunger for something that we just can't quite grasp on our own. We are aware of this hunger to a certain degree at various times. We are drawn to try to fill that hunger on our own with... uh, Searches to faraway places and with dutiful drudgery, imagining that that gnawing hunger can be filled with our own efforts. God, remind us today, reveal to us the truth of your word and your grace that you give us in the gospel, which shows us that we really are in need. That we're more of a mess than we care to admit. And yet, in a way that defies explanation, we're more loved and accepted than we can imagine. And we're invited to this gospel feast that you have for us that nourishes our souls and is able to fortify us, to send us out into the world as your image bearers. We ask for your grace to pour into us even now by the power of your spirit Amen. So what makes a good feast? That was the question last week, and I didn't get any answers. I, I was answering that question last week, and then I remembered, oh, I'm, pre- I'm the one preaching. But I don't know what happened to all those answers, so I'm going to ask you now. What makes a good feast? Just yell it out. Food. food. What kind of food? Good food, right? Steak, Steak. okay i have a tofu. Yeah, what else? Company. Yeah. Is any old company? Good friends, friends, family. Beer. Beer. All right. The barley pop. <laughs> music. How about music? Dancing. Don't the best weddings have dancing? I don't know. I think so. Tables. Tables. All right, yes, yes, (laughs) bring on Isaiah 25, yeah, how about that feast we've all heard about, then the who's, young and old, will sit down to a feast, and they'll feast, and they'll feast, and they'll feast, 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 feast. they'll feast on who pudding, and rare who roast beasts. Yes. Ah, roast beast is a feast I can't stand in the least. Did you see the, uh, the version with Jim Carrey where he was a green fuzzy Grinch? It was pretty funny. <clears throat> he said this, The nerve of those who's inviting me down there on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. 5 o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. <laughs> 5.30, jazzercise. 6.30, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. 7 o'clock, wrestle with my self-loathing. I'm booked. But you know what happened in the end, right? And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. We have vegetarians here. Here too, so it's okay if it's vegetables and tofu. Now, when we think of family feasts, there can be great joy, but it gets a little complicated, doesn't it? Think about it, the the greater the the import of the ceremony, the greater the drama, the trouble, right? It's not always so idyllic. We've all seen it, a wedding where exes attend, awkward, a parent who refuses to attend, that's a tough one, or where a certain cousin is on his worst behavior, you know, like that guy, the backbiting, the grudges, the stonewalling, they're not talking, put him at a different table. I wonder when is the slowest Saturday of the year for weddings. I was wondering if it was the Saturday before the election. You don't really want to deal with that right then, do you? I mean, imagine that. That would be rough. I wonder if that's why Thanksgiving's at the end of November. It's like, we're through that season. Thank you, God. <clears throat> so here we have... This amazing story, the best part of the Bible for you, right? She's like, wait a minute, I want to read this part of the Bible. Uh, It's a great story. And in this story of these two sons, Jesus asks his listeners to find themselves in the story. So today we'll look again at these characters. I'm going to ask you to find yourself. Or parts of yourself in them. And then we're going to focus on this incredible feast. Feast, 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 feast. I'm going to call it the gospel feast. And we're going to look at how the gospel feast nourishes us. Keeps us regular. And pulls us together. You heard me. It nourishes us. Keeps us regular. And pulls us together. First let's look at some more of these characters. Jesus was... Telling the story to all the people around, and the crowd was filled with variations of two types younger brotherish folks and elder brotherish folks. And everybody knew what was going on, and he invites them and us in to this story and into this feast. And he asks some pointed questions. He asks, Are you chasing your heart's desires at the expense of devotion to the one who made you and longs for your return? Are you hungry, homeless, and alone? Are you finally coming home to unexpected and undeserved grace? And do you still try and earn it? I'll become a hired servant he says. Or are you feeling cheated out of what you thought you had earned? Unfair! Elijah nailed it last week, didn't he? Good job, Elijah. Unfair! Are you shaking your fist at the grace offered to others? Is it possible that at some point all of these things will describe a part of your journey? Maybe the brokenness of this world makes it impossible for us to be perfectly at home here. And our grasping insecurity will often cause us to shake that angry fist heavenward when we see grace poured out on someone else. And this story comes to a climax in the feast to end all feasts. The greatest celebration the town has ever seen. Everyone is invited. It's a lavish, expensive spread. The fattened calf, are you kidding me? Everyone is invited. A loving father's very identity is defined by his gracious invitation to all. And his eldest son, the one who is going to inherit everything, all the stuff all the responsibility for holding the family together through thick and thin, refuses to come out and join the greatest day of his father's life. In a public way, his anger keeps him outside of the banquet. Angry, self-righteous, And the story ends right there. And the people listening all know very well what this represents. This banquet is the banquet to end all. It's the feast at the end of time. Nathan read it. The eternal family celebration of salvation. That's what this feast is. The ultimate homecoming meal where everything is satisfied. It's ultimate cosmic nourishment for everyone. Think about the best you've ever had, the best homecoming meal you've ever had. Let's just say it's barbecue, okay? And it doesn't have to be meat. For me, it would be ribs, but it could be anything. If you're a vegetarian, throw some veggies on the barbie, right? And cover it with barbecue sauce. It's all in the sauce anyway, right? So barbecue, the best you can possibly imagine, when your body gets the best food and rest, your soul gets laughter and love and connection with others, acceptance with no drama, no politics. Oh, thank you, God. One more month. Imagine that. Nothing going on behind the scenes. The best you've ever had is just a faint hint. Just a whiff of the barbecue sauce of what your eternal future will be like when you're welcomed into the feast of grace by your Father God. And remember, it's at the expense of your elder brother. This world will be home again and all of Jesus' listeners Knew it. They knew the passage from Isaiah 25. I'll read it again. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove His people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in Him and He saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. Jesus is telling them clearly in this story, All the younger brothers, the pleasure seekers, the wastrels, the outsiders who come home are welcomed by the Father God at great expense to the family. They accept the warm invitation of the Father and you, you elder brothers, most of the ones listening to this story were the elder brother types. You who are towing the line and looking good, Jesus says you are blinded to your own need. You don't see your need for grace, and you yourselves are refusing to enter the Father's banquet of salvation. Please see your need and come in. Jesus is pointed yet gracious as he invites everyone. And that's the way he told the story, and we don't tend to get it the way they did back then. We tend to think, oh, what a nice story. It's got piggies in it, so cute. Jesus' listeners were shocked, outraged, furious. They wanted to kill him. I know when I learned this story as a kid, I learned it as uh, the good brother and the bad brother. Anybody else hear it like that? There's there's the bad brother who goes off and and wastes his life and spends everything. And then there's the good, dutiful brother who stays at home. The, The message was clear. Be like him. Be the good one. That was the message I got when I was a kid. Stay home. Don't go to prostitutes. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm 11. I don't know what that is. (laughs) The gospel shows us rather that these brothers have two different ways of rebellion. And that's why I'm calling this the gospel feast that nourishes all of us. The elder brother is exposed as the one who loves the father's things, but not the father himself. He rebels from the father just as surely as his brother did with self-indulgence. He rebels with dutiful, grudging drudgery, joyless, heartless obedience, full of barely disguised anger and self-righteous pride. Jesus is telling this story to good religious folks who are stuck in the same way because they can't see their pride and imagine themselves better and more deserving than their pleasure-seeking brothers. Is any of this striking a chord? They can't see that they're all in the same boat, alienated from the Father and needing Restoration. Can you see yourself in either one of these brothers? Let me confess something. I've been both, of course, in my life, but there was a time recently, just a couple years ago, when I was in my car and I said this, you've never even given me a goat. That's a a direct quote. I was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I was feeling that. Have you ever felt that? All I've done for you. My understanding is that that's our default. That's our go to, is to dig inside of our own resources, to find our significance, to find our, the, the stuff that gets us. Through the day. The stuff that we really cling to. Last week we saw that the missing character in the story is living a radical alternative to these two brothers. And he's the true elder brother. Who in that culture would have been expected to be the one to go to great lengths to find the younger brother and bring him home and restore the family, whatever the cost, the missing character, the true elder brother is the one telling the story. Jesus, the one who loved the father completely with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, really did never disobey. The one who traveled the distance, not just to another country, but all the way from heaven to earth, who gave up not just some of his wealth, but emptied Himself of equality with God so we could be robed with God's acceptance. He was stripped to give us that robe. He was ringed with a crown of thorns so we could wear the family signet ring of honor. Jesus drank vinegar on the cross and was cut off from fellowship with his Father God so we could be welcomed into the gospel feast to end all feasts. That's why I'm calling it the gospel feast. Because the good news is that on the cross, Jesus paid the infinite expense of all our debts. Not just our wrongdoing, but our self-righteous rightdoing too. That should be a word, right? If wrongdoing is a word. So we can come in and joy and be nourished. And that gospel feast nourishes us. God's Spirit can wake up our senses to the goodness of grace. Doesn't a feast taste better when you're hungry? If you don't know you need it, if you're not hungry for forgiveness, you may just stay outside. Sometimes I check myself, and I ask questions of others, when we do that confession time every week and there's a time of silence for a time for you to confess your own sins it's it's a little bit of a barometer what's going on are you just like oh good we get a little break <laughs> well, all these all these people can confess their sins or or are you feeling it are you are you digging he's saying wow I I could have reacted better in that situation I could have opened my eyes to that need there's a young man who knows this phrase come taste and see that the Lord is good it's a young man who said something in our after school program this week his name is Vlad, and he's, he's tasted God's grace this last six or eight months in, in an amazing, life-changing way. And at our meeting Wednesday night, he said this. His life story is amazing. And he's, he's in this incredible place right now. Genevieve knows him. And Josiah, her husband, who's not here. Um, he said this. He said, My life has changed so much. You were there too, Juliet. He said, every time I'm in church and when I'm here at the greenhouse, I can't stop smiling. And this is a kid whose life was nothing to smile about just a scant months ago. He's tasted something. He's been nourished by God's grace. And do you know that God is at work renewing this world right now? He's doing stuff to put stuff back together in this world. The goodness that he made in creation is being restored by God and we can have a part in it. Jesus worked to heal disease, to alleviate poverty, to fight injustice. Suffering and even death. He conquered death on the cross and rose with a body that ate food. Hollywood gets it so wrong. It's not a, like a glowing, floating body. It's, it's, it's uh, singing, dancing, food, banquets. Jesus shows up on the beach. His friends think he's a ghost and they're scared. And he says, come on, I cooked breakfast. Let's eat. And they, and they have fish on the, on the beach. Jesus spent his life on behalf of the poor and broken in this world. And he never says to his followers, you should do that. He says, rather, if you understand what I've done for you as your true elder brother, the sheer grace which, which covers your sin, saves you, nourishes you so that you won't be able to stop yourself from pouring out your life in service to others and in being attuned to the folks around you like the women and children that our young people are learning about even now who live outside in Sacramento 2600 during the the count of homeless folks in Sacramento if you, if you don't see that in a personal way, you might need to hang out somewhere else. Hang out with our young people who can lead us in that. This gospel feast, this understanding like Vlad is getting, that you need forgiveness and are invited to a new reality that engages all your senses. Can you smell that barbecue sauce? It's in the real world. It tastes good. It also can keep you regular. All right? Those of us who are over 50, you know, you got to keep your systems humming. How can we take this story and appropriate it for daily life? To reconnect to this life-changing message about the Father's welcome and Jesus' sacrifice. How can we remember? Does any of these, word, any of these words sound familiar? do this in remembrance of me, we have the opportunity right here, the means of grace, connecting with God's word, connecting with our Father through prayer, and sharing this meal, which Jesus gave us as a foretaste of this banquet that's to come. And we get to do that every week right here. Eat and drink of the gospel regularly. Have intimacy with our true elder brother. Do we need it? I've heard a lot of stories from people, and they're like me. We tend to keep looking to things other than God and His grace for our significance and security. Is it family, career, our need to be liked? being used to comfort, being right, you name it. Mark and I have met regularly for years for prayer, and years ago, he said something that I always remember. He said, let's meet regularly and remind each other of the gospel. And I think that's an opportunity that we have here. And sharing this meal that we get to do every week if we stay open to God's grace knowing that we need it we'll more readily offer grace and love and a non-anxious presence to people around us because it's pouring out of us we've been so filled and the gospel feast finally pulls us together you cannot have a feast by yourself even in our individualistic culture. You can't grow spiritually by yourself. You must have a community of other grace receivers. Our culture is full of division, discord, and isolation. And I've been thinking about this image of a tapestry. Imagine a beautiful colored tapestry that's been torn. And if you look at the back of a tapestry... What do you see? Kind of a, an explosion of colored threads maybe that, that have no rhyme or reason. It can look like a whole bunch of individuals. And I know earlier in my life, I thought that being a Christian meant being rescued, like one of those threads pulled up and out and brought to another place. And maybe if you're a good Christian you can take a few more threads with you by convincing them to believe something i've come to see that what god is doing rather is he's reweaving this beautiful tapestry that he made in creation where all of the cosmos and all of the the people and animals and and all the planets are this beautiful tapestry that have been have been torn and he's little by little reweaving it putting it back together and and only when it comes back together like that will it show its beauty and its grace and that you know that diversity in that beautiful tapestry that god made we resist that because we're so individualistic and so isolated but God wants to do that not rescue us out one by one but put it all back together and he He offers us the opportunity to do that with him that beauty and strength can only come through if we share life together and what does that look like there's a couple things here at City Life. Uh, Cindy already alluded to one of them. It's our youth team. Do you know that this is happening here? We have an amazing team of people who are pouring themselves into the youth of City Life. And a lot of times they're not here on Sundays because they're pouring themselves into your kids. And some of them are here today, but you know a lot of them are doing this. And the kids, the, the youth are part of that. Do you know how much they have to offer? We're just barely beginning to scratch the surface. But they think deeply. They care about their friends and what's happening in their schools and in their neighborhoods. And uh, we need to listen to them. We're not very good at listening in our culture. And youth are some of the people that we're not very good at listening to. But, but listening, sharing life, and really hearing from folks who, don't, who aren't very well listened to uh, is an amazing way that God puts that tapestry back together. And when I get together with that group and dream about a better future for the kids here, their friends and neighbors, for our neighborhoods, for all of Sacramento, it's exciting and, um, you know, this, this thing we're doing with homeless moms and children, uh, it's just the tip of the iceberg. And we can look forward to being led by our children. Can we just pledge that? Let's listen to our kids, all right? Um, and we need to be better at listening to other kinds of folks. Also, besides young people, how about quiet people? We're not very good at listening to quiet people unless we have a forum where we kind of commit to being in a group and listening and sharing and being vulnerable and being real with each other. Otherwise, we just get the loudest people, the people with the most power, influence, the ones who stand up front, the wealthy white men, the preachers. I can say that because I'm all those things, so... Get used to it. What else does God's reweaving look like? Being with people where you can share what's really going on. Where you can eat, pray, learn, even help make decisions together. We have this incredible dive group that Mark leads every year where 8 to 10 people get together and share their lives for a year or 10, 10 or 11 months. And we're in the middle of it right now, and a new one will be coming up in January, February or something. And it's incredible just because we have a forum to share what's really happening in our lives, to listen, to ask questions, to even help each other make decisions. And that gives us a whiff of the barbecue sauce, the gospel feast smell. We're challenging each other to live as Jesus calls us to. Image bearers of our true elder brother, knowing that everything the Father has is ours and we can accept that grace so readily that it pours out of us. I'm going to close with uh, what happened on Wednesday. Um, We were at the after-school program and we were just closing up and we became aware Josiah actually became aware that there were two 14-year-old girls who were runaways. And they're in the park. And we don't know who they are. And there they were. And some of some of the teenage boys that we know were helping take care of them uh, by not reporting, hiding them from the police. So, of course, I called 911. They were in danger. The police came. The girls ran barefoot away from the cops through the park where I pray every week. The police caught up to them. They were scared, hungry. They didn't have shoes on. We bought them some Taco Bell, and we ate it sitting down next to the police car. We told them about God's love for them, prayed for them. They looked skeptical, but they ate hungrily. I hope that they got a whiff of the gospel feast. Police took them to the receiving home and said, don't be surprised if they're back tomorrow. They ran from their home 40 minutes away. They were gone for a week. There was no missing person report. These girls need to know about the banquet. The feast their father has prepared for them. The unmitigated acceptance and richness of real community. With the one who made them and others who offer them love and laughter. Where they can be physically touched with true tenderness and care. Where they will hear words of comfort rather than contempt where they can eat and drink adoption rather than feel the hunger and thirst of alienation. We younger brothers and sisters need to feel that invitation too. Hear the music, smell the barbecue, and taste that roast beast. And we elder brothers need to see our broken attempts at self-justification. And then we're all invited in. invited into the feast, and invited to go out like our true elder brother, bearing his image at some significant cost to ourselves to welcome one and all, to see that the richness of God's gospel feast extends to them, all of them, even them, them. And we all need the Father's grace desperately and continually. Let's pray. God, we live in a broken world. Our hearts hurt, but only if you open our eyes, only if you show us the brokenness and the healing that is available through your gospel feast. God, invite each one here to be filled, filled to overflowing with the grace that you offer freely, but that came at a great cost. Help us to see and feel that cost so that we can turn in love to the people that you put us around. And if we're blind to the the runaways that surely exist all throughout Sacramento in some form or another, then wake us up, move us so that we can all eat together. In the name of Jesus, amen.